It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Triple G. Nick Wiggins this Monday afternoon. Of course, if you missed the announcement on Friday afternoon or you missed the promos this weekend, Michael Bronner will be joining Lee and Mark in the morning on the opening kickoff in Triple G. He's jumping on board for the afternoon and the final drive show. So we're excited to, to welcome Triple G, Nick Wiggins on board this afternoon. And of course, if you would love to correspond with us in the app, make sure you download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. We'd love to get feedback from you in the app. Of course, you can always call us the old-fashioned way, 251-694-1055. And don't forget, this coming Thursday, WNSP's 30th anniversary fall football party at Heroes USA, where you can register to win a 65-inch smart television from Bailey's TV and Mattress, or get a hold of that leather recliner, 360-degree swiveling from Barrow Fine Furniture. Make sure that you're in the place, which is Heroes, right by the University of South Alabama. It's coming Thursday. You'll get a chance to holler at me, Triple G, Brawner, Pigskin, Pete, and many other special guests. We'll have T-shirts, we'll have giveaways, and more. Triple G, welcome to the final drive, my brother. Man, it is nice to be here. It's nice to wake up a little later, or at least have that option. I'm still waking up early. Uh, but look, man, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get into football season. But look, we all know that the real reason that I'm here on the afternoon is so that next time we do a two-on-two -two basketball game, <laughs> you the scores will be... Uh, close to even, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like I like that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, you and I would have to team up. I, I like that tandem right, right there. I'm already getting some love in the app. Welcome to the afternoon show, Nick. Twenty-eight to three. Yes, I'm an Atlanta guy, unashamedly, <laughs> and I'm not an Alabama guy either. So we're gonna get a little bit of a different flavor for sure. But look, I'm excited, man. Football season's right around the corner. And we got some stuff to get into, man. But look, like you said earlier, some people, if you didn't see the ads, maybe me being on the afternoon show might have caught you by surprise. Maybe you didn't see it coming. Maybe, maybe, what would you say, Corey? Hey, look, you get hit by the blind side. Oh. You're blindsided, folks. Where If you were blindsided, let us know in the app that you were blindsided because Michael Orr, I love the 2009 Disney movie. It's made for kids, made for TV. Oscar award winning. And, and here it is some 17 years later. Nick Wiggins, Triple G, we're talking about Michael Orr being blindsided and blindsiding us all along with the Tui family. Yeah. 
blindsided by his own family, but can you even call them uh, his family? So what had happened was, we all, we've all seen the movie, right? It was the only movie they played in school, at least when I was there, when we didn't have anything to do. It was either that or the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> and look, they adopted him. They taught him how to play football. We get it. But they never even adopted him. What they did was they made him sign a conservatorship. That's word the word the, for the day. Word of the day, conservatorship. And he was under the impression like, oh, this is like adoption papers. No. It means that they are able to uh, – it's a thing that Britney Spears' dad had on her that she was trying to break <laughs> out of. And Michael Orr didn't even know about it. Did not have so a clue. All the profits from that movie, Michael Orr saw none of it. Everyone in the Tui family, right, SJ, the daughter, the parents, they all got 200 and what, 25000 Say that again. 225000 per – but wait, there's more. They more? also got 2.5% each of the total profits. And that movie made $300 million at the box office. Residuals? And I already know that at least five of my math teachers throughout school had it on Blu-ray. Come on. So Michael Orr saw none of that. Now, I remember hearing the story that Michael Orr didn't like the movie. Uh, they, You know, if you've seen the movie, he doesn't know how to play football maybe he comes off a little dim i mean michael orr will say that himself that's why he didn't like it but now it's coming out not only did he not like the movie he didn't even profit off it and if anything not they a were profiting dime off him. not a dime and this is a family who we all thought adopted him and it was not the case and and I, i'm i'm struggling to grasp a couple of things here the tui family we already knew that they were loaded with a lot of money they were very well off. Right. Michael Orr comes from a family of 11, and they don't really have much at all. I I, I would like to say other words, but I'm, I'm going to save it for radio's sake. Can't say it for radio's sake. But he came off as not having much. Now, I will say this. I don't think it. the movie made him look like a dummy. I think it made him look like he was apprehensive to take tests yeah. and struggled taking tests. Uh, but as far as... You know, Abdullah the Butcher, I love wrestling, and they said my man couldn't read or write because he dropped out in the second grade to take care of his family. That wasn't the case with Michael Orr. He was he was just test apprehensive, and I know a lot of people who who don't test well but are, are smart as a whip, Sure, just don't take tests well. And for them not to, to break him off any bread at any point in time, it makes me wonder, did the Baltimore Ravens get over him on his NFL contract, too? I don't know. Well, And then it came out that, so Michael Orr said that because of the movie and the way he was portrayed, that hurt his NFL career in interviews and stuff. Because, yes, the test-taking thing, but if you remember that one scene where he's at the first practice and he doesn't know how to block. Right. And she's like, you act like your quarterback is me whenever we were in that shady neighborhood and I was scared. Protect me. Like, and he was like, oh, now I know how to block. Like, he said that that followed him throughout his whole career. And, like, look, if someone made a movie about me and was like, no, Nick, you talk into the microphone. And I'm like, oh, okay. Obviously, I wouldn't like that portrayal. But if I was able to maybe get a check off that. I let it be. I, I but he didn't even get anything. I, that's what I'm struggling with to to find out he has received zero dollars for the blind side. And the fact that he's having to sue the Tui family 
yet alone, I, I, I say shame on them because they had already made enough money. They were already profiting. And here it is, like I say, you're, you're talking 14 years later. This movie comes out, and I, I talked to you off the air about, all right, so during COVID, Michael Orr retired in 2016. Yeah. He's about to be eligible to be nominated for the NFL Hall of Fame. So that's plenty of time for him to go ahead and figure out whether legally the Tuies are his mom and his dad, his parents. And Sandra Bullock has made more money than Michael Orr has off of his own life story? Sure. That's what's crazy well, to Sandra me. Sandra Bullock and the woman that she portrayed have made more money uh, than Michael Orr. The little kid uh, made I more just, money. I really struggle. I struggle with, with this. I'm with you. There is there is holes in the story that I'm sure will get plugged as more info comes about. But, you know, Michael Orr said, I didn't want to deal with any of this while I was trying to make NFL rosters. Totally get that. But like you said, he retired in 2016. That was seven years ago. What has the guy been doing up to this point? Why is this all happening just now? I don't know. I don't know if that is going to be the case, Nick, when you look at him. I, I think he's going to win a lawsuit. I think he's going to win a lawsuit sure. without question. Uh, because this is there is no two a story with their family if it's not for Michael Orr. There is no blind side in 2008 when it's made and released in 2009 without it. But why? if you don't know, that's one thing. And I, I just wonder how long it's been since he knew that you had to know that you weren't getting any residuals from this movie. You had to know that. Now you had a fat NFL contract to where you didn't have to worry about that, and you still don't have – I don't think it's the money that is the principle. I right. think it's just the fact that our word of the day. Conservatorship. 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 That's right. That That's the word of the day here for Michael Orr. Because he still doesn't really have anyone to call mom and dad right. after people he trusted and basically turned over his entire life and his career to. And if it weren't for them, he, he wouldn't be where he is today. Right. So I think it works both ways. That's why I hate that they can't. Yeah, it's very, very, very tricky uh, in the blind side. So I, I don't think that someone in the app says, does he make it to the NFL without this family? I, I Personally, I don't think he does make it to the NFL without this family. But this family also knows or should have known, look, what, what is it going to hurt us to go ahead and break him off 2.5% on a $300 billion movie. That's what I don't get. Why didn't they give him that part of the deal? Why did all four of them get it? And he says he got nothing. Not even that he got like a different type of deal. You know, maybe it was more money up front and less percentage. He got nothing, which is crazy. I can't. I know the Tuies are eventually going to have to answer these questions, um, but I am very, I'm very much anticipating what they have to say. No, I, I'm really looking forward to it, Nick, for certain. And also what we're looking forward to is the fact that the top 25 mm. collegiate football fo polls were released today. AP top 25 because we've already had the coaches poll that were released. And we had the debate whether you feel the coaches fill out their their polls or not themselves. And I said probably less than 10% of all the 120-plus coaches fill out 
a top 25 coaches poll. But here it is, Alabama, they come in at number four. Are you familiar with uh, the singer Bob Dylan? Yes. Well, the times, they are a-changing. <laughs> Alabama, their lowest rank preseason since 2009, people. Is the is the GOAT era coming to an end? But it's not only that. Check this out. So behind that, each of the previous three times, the Tide ended up winning that national title. So this may be a blessing in disguise for the Crimson Tide because you mentioned the fourth time in the last 15 seasons they come outside the top two. But once again, each of the previous three times, Alabama winds up winning a national title. And because of that, I, I have no problem Georgia being number one. I, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Michigan coming in at number two. Now, here's what a lot of people are going to argue about. The fact whether Jim Harbaugh should have gone ahead and taken this suspension that the NCAA will eventually wind up trying to give him because now the NCAA disciplinary system, not the Committee on Infractions, there's a difference. The Committee on Infractions, they threw out the case. But the NCAA disciplinary system will continue to try to hold this over his head moving forward in 2024. Now, if I'm going to just miss games against East Carolina, yep. UNLV, Rutgers, and Bowling Green, let me go ahead and get that off Take the way. the slap on the wrist. Let me get it now. Give it to me now, I don't know what their, and I'm done. I don't know what their season looks like next year, but if you couldn't be – handed a better four games to have to be suspended for. I mean, I could probably be on the sideline with an M on my hat and get us to 4-0 against those teams with a Michigan roster. Yes. I mean, you're ranked number two in the country, according to coaches and the Associated Press. Georgia, number one. Michigan, number two. Ohio State, number three. Alabama at four. LSU at five. Now, I wouldn't have had a problem if they flipped four and five because, again, LSU with the returning quarterback and becoming the returning SEC West champions, that chip on the shoulder, no problem. USC at six, Penn State at seven, Florida State at eight, Clemson at nine, ten is Washington. Clemson has a chance to really have the biggest gripe, but I guarantee – We'll continue to talk about this without question. And on the other side of this break here, Nick, we'll have an opportunity to hear from what Coach Saban had to say about the Alabama Crimson Tide strapping on the pads this weekend again, this excessive heat. It's a factor not only in park ball, middle school ball, high school ball, collegiate ball. You're not escaping it. The hottest on the planet it's ever been, yep. ever. In the history of the planet. Global warming. At its best. We'll be right back here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. We are drive with myself and the best host with the most in Mobile and Baldwin County, the one, the only, Corey Labounty. 
There we go. Triple <laughs> G. I love it, my brother. Triple G joining me now in the afternoons. Of course, we made the swap as this morning, Michael Bronner opens up on the opening kickoff now with Mark and Lee as he's dealing with his obligations of getting ready to cover high school football here on WNSP on Friday nights as a lot of, uh, our play-by-play. -play. Yep, got a lot of new online content. He's posting new articles every week, uh, so definitely check all that out. Had some Tide takes today. Talking about the quarterback situation out there in Tuscaloosa. We still don't know uh, who's going to be taking the snaps, right? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say coming out of what you hear, those who were at the close scrimmage, close to the media on Saturday, of course, they strapped it on with pads again. But uh, Nick Saban says no, still no one, two, and three on the depth chart for him. But I'm still going to go Jalen Milrow. I and, so, yeah. and I think Miro is, is – and, again, it's not going to matter who takes that first snap when they open up against Middle Tennessee. It's going to matter at the end of the day who continues to get the leadership from the team because I think they're going to play two quarterbacks against Texas as well. Uh, but against Middle Tennessee, you'll have an opportunity to, to not stall on offense, to put points on the board, and to see if you're equating practice – Nick Saban had some interesting words this week and some stern words yeah. on – and this is the Nick Saban we're used to. We're not used to this kind Nick Saban to the media, but, of course, Nick Saban chiming in not only on his wide receivers but also about the state and the motivation of his team. You know, I kind of like what Pete Rose said the other night. Sparky Anderson, he said, had a great – was a great manager and he asked him one time what's the key to handling players he says well you got to know when to kick them in the ass you got to know when to pat them on the ass and you got to know when not to say anything so we're trying to figure that out but i think i've been kicking them in the ass a little bit more and i've been patting them on the ass so we'll just keep on keeping on <laughs> <laughs> well it's been working for the goat for over 17 years and that's that's what the standard is yep. you, you, there is no pat on the back there there is that demand for perfection i i thought he was going to say you either got to kick him in the ass you either got to pat him on the ass <laughs> or sometimes they just ask. I, I, I could have swore that was going to be the punchline. You, you didn't know what route Coach Saban was going right. to go with that. Uh, but, but, again, the motivation, you know when you get that, that chewing from Nick Saban, it, it's because he's, he cares, he's passionate. It doesn't matter if you're a starter. It doesn't matter. He wants everyone accountable to do your job. If, if it's a 52 to nothing blowout, and he puts the reserves in the game, and they give up a first down, he's going berserk. He's going ham on the sidelines. Don't give up a score because you're going to come to the sidelines, and he's going to tell you exactly what went wrong and hold someone on that field accountable. And I love the fact that whether you're first string, second string, or third string, do your job, and you won't get that chewing. That's right. And, look, you, you were talking just a second ago about the quarterback battle and how you think that there's there's still going to be a two-quarterback system by the time they're playing Texas. I think if that's the case, I'm writing Bama off this year. I think you got to pick a guy, even if it's close, and you got to say, look, man, you're our guy. you got to empower that guy 
you know, have the locker room all rally around a guy, if everyone in the locker room is looking like, is it going to be him? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be him? I think that's not a winning formula, wouldn't you think? No, I'm going to tell you where I disagree with that. Because if I'm opening up the drive, and let's just say we take the ball on the 35 or on the 30, okay, and we have to go 70 yards to score, all right? I I want six on the board versus that field goal, right? And Will Reichert, one of the best kickers in the country to where he's going to make it from 50 plus but I want to put six on the board now if the defense steps up to the plate and turns me over on a short field and now I take over at the 17 or the 10 or the 20 yard line versus having to drive my team 80 yards if I can get the ball if the defense turns over then whoever you're putting in at quarterback the, the play sheet just got a hell of a lot easier for him than it is than to have to sit there and go 80 to, to 90 yards on that opening drive. Or you, when you're at first and goal from the seven-yard line and now someone jumps off sides, you know Nick Saban's going to chew him. But at the same time, I think that you're, you have to be given at least three offensive series to show me what you can do at quarterback. See, Two is not it, enough. I just like – if if you're not empowered as the starter, you're our guy. Every play you make, you're feeling shaky. Oh man, is coach about to pull me out? Now you're scared to throw a pick. Obviously, you shouldn't throw a pick, but if you're out there scared to throw a pick, then you're not going to throw a nice touchdown either. I I don't like it. I know there's a lot of teams around here that are having quarterback battles, but Alabama like what? That that's quarterback university, right? Over the past four years. It is. Tua, Jalen, and then you got Bryce. And Mac. Mac. Exactly. And now here we are, and it's like, oh, man, we don't know. And we're already hearing, oh, these receivers, can they even catch passes? What, what did Nick Saban have to say about the receivers, Nick? That was pretty interesting, too. Nick Saban chimed in about what he felt the wide receiver's job was. You know, I think that uh, we had some guys make some really good catches. I think the quarterbacks made some really good throws at times. But what is the level of consistency? I mean, if you're a receiver, why do they call you receiver? You're supposed to be able to catch the ball, right? I mean, that's what receiver means. So you should never drop a ball. And, um, you know, that's something that we got to stay focused on. Staying focused. That's nothing new. But I would argue he's not giving them a place to be consistent. Maybe, like, there's no, oh, I know how uh, Jalen throws the ball, right? So I'm going to be ready to catch that. If it's, you don't know who you're catching the pass from week one, week two, how are you going to expect consistency when you can't deliver any consistency to this point yourself? I think you just have to squeeze the pigskin, regardless of who's rifling it off to you. Nick Saban could be throwing them to you. You better catch them. You better catch them. And that's what it is. Like you said, you have one job. It doesn't matter who comes in there, first string, second string, third string. You better catch the football. And that's what I love about Coach Saban. The the honesty is there. And he's, without calling names, he's letting those wide receivers know, look, it's your job. 
I, I have guys that are going to be coming in or want to play behind you. And it's not like Alabama's wide receiver room is not deep or does not have experience. Ja'Cory Brooks comes in as a true freshman and helps Bryce Young. He was Bryce Young's main target on a 98, 99-yard drive at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Right. So you have guys that can get it done. I like the fact that Coach Saban, he's gone after the receivers on Saturday. Who's next that he's going to go after? Is it the running backs? Is it the defensive backs? We'll find out pretty soon. And I tell you what, we can find out from Tony Sakalas. Right. who is be going to be joining us next here to talk a little bit about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Tony Sakalas from Tide Illustrated will be joining us next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Nick Wiggins on this scorching hot Monday afternoon. And, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide and everyone else in the SEC is having to push through this heat as well because it's going to be hot come week one of college football as well. And the college football polls started heating up today as the AP Top 25 came out. Of course, we had the coaches poll last week. And as we welcome Tony Sakalis joining us this afternoon, managing editor for Tide Illustrated of Rivals, Tony you staying cool, my friend? Man, I'm inside. You can't go outside for more than maybe five minutes without being pouring in sweat. So, yeah, I, I, I'm staying cool. I, I, I'm glad you're staying cool. I tell you what, Alabama and Nick Saban has kept his cool at the podium. In the break before, we had a little comment about how Nick Saban was like, look, I don't know whether I – kick him in the ass, pat him on the ass, or just <laughs> continue to chew him. I thought that that was true Nick Saban, vintage Nick Saban press conference on Saturday after the scrimmage for sure. Yeah, yeah I thought it was a funny thing. He said he's been doing a little bit more of kicking him in the in the ass than, uh, than, than patting him on the ass. Uh, I, look, it, it, it's kind of early uh, in camp. or Actually, we're kind of more midway through camp, but there's still time to, to iron out some things, and it's hot. Like we said, players are making mistakes. So, I mean, that's kind of to be expected. I wouldn't be super alarmed by that. Uh, it is kind of a funny line from, from Nick Saban. shows that he, you know, he still has humor despite maybe some, some frustrations throughout the, the scrimmage. Well, I'll say this too, Tony. One of the people that I've been saying, I've been saying Jalen Milrow is going to take the first snaps against Middle Tennessee, and I've been consistent with that as far as what Alabama has had coming back at the quarterback position. And Nick Wiggins and I were talking, my partner here, about – I lost you guys. Are you still there? Yeah. can Can you hear me okay, Tony? Are you there with us, Tony? Tony, Tony, you got us? We'll have to reconnect with Tony Sakalas. And as as we reconnect with Tony, I think that, as we said moments ago, it, it's a process of trying to find out Jalen Milrow in Saturday's scrimmage 
according to all of those who were inside and, and leaked out the information that was given from the practice, Jalen Miro has kind of taken the lead slightly there in the quarterback battle that's going on at Alabama right now. But I, I, I feel confident that here as Tony Sakalis is back on with this, we were talking about I personally feel Jalen Miro is going to take the first couple of series of snaps when Alabama takes on Middle Tennessee instead of Buckner coming in as the transfer from Notre Dame or Ty Simpson for that matter. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, uh, not taking anything away from Tyler Buckner, but I think it's probably more so between uh, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson at the moment. I think you would, most people, even probably even Ty Simpson, would give Jalen the win uh, in the first scrimmage. But I don't think it was, you know, a blowout win per se. You know, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, Ty or Jalen Milrow is the most talked about quarterback and had the best performance during during the scrimmage. But uh, I think Ty Simpson had a, a, a good scrimmage himself. He looked, you know, pretty good in certain periods, uh, as we put on our, our message board. If you want to kind of read more about that, uh, but you know, I, I think that um, it, it's encouraging from both guys. So in the AP poll that came out, uh, top 25 poll, Alabama was ranked the lowest that they have ever been ranked since 2009. Where would you say or how would you maybe quickly summarize what point we're at in that Nick Saban Alabama dynasty? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think I said this last year, you know, when people ask me, oh, is the dynasty dying? It's like, I mean, it's not the same as it was in 2009 and 2010, but I still think Alabama's, you know, they're, they're still ranked fourth in the preseason bowl, so they haven't lost, you know. They're still one of the, you know, thought-of contenders out there, you know. So um, are they just rolling over people anymore? Maybe not as much, but, I, I mean, yeah, they're dying in the way that, you know, we're all dying as, you know, getting older. I don't, I don't think that, you know, it's, it's maybe gradually, but I don't necessarily think that, Tony there. Looks like we, we, we have that, that, that heat connection Something's is going, going on, on yeah. there with, <laughs> with Tony's connection with us this afternoon. But, Nick, I, I know that Alabama having a deep, deep offensive line is going to be a huge factor in the success of whomever takes the snaps at starting quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide because I don't care how good you are, if you don't have – the upfront protection, you're not going to be any good. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take the great upfront protection. And I think that because of it, you are saying that, look, we're going to protect you by all means. And whether it's Tyler Buckner or whether it is Jalen Milrow, I think that Todd Buckner coming in so late and after – you have your spring, that's what makes it a little bit tougher for him to go ahead and find kind of very similar to what's going on at Auburn, too. You bring in Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, and you have that situation to where there's problems, too. But as far as Nick Saban taking the approach, knowing that, look, we want to go ahead and fight through the fatigue. Everybody else has to fight through it, too. We have to take care of our mistakes, um, it's one of those situations to where I know that 
you just have to be careful if you're the Alabama Crimson Tide, not to become complacent, but you said that they have to find their guy early. I don't necessarily think they have to find their guy early. I think that they're, whoever is is hot and, and can put points on the board, I think that different situations, the defense, field position, set up different opportunities for the quarterbacks to shine. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You want to roll with the hot guy, but if you – I feel like if you go with that philosophy, then you're going to have a guy get cold. You know, you're not riding with him through the ups and the downs. I just, look, I mean, Nick Saban knows more than me, obviously, so he knows a little something. I just think the competition has kicked up such a notch that you just got to have a guy. I mean, look, Alabama, they had the guy for the past three years with Bryce Young, and that that still wasn't even enough. So now you're telling me we don't even know who the guy is and we're going to be fine? I don't know. Well, I know that one thing Nick Saban is going to demand, it's going to be consistency at any position, whether that's the O-line, whether that's the D-line, whether that's the secondary. He wants everyone to be consistent. And I think that when it is as hot as it is, you struggle trying to find that consistency. Um, and I think that you already know uh, someone in the app says, how about Nick Saban is saying this to keep the team competitive? He probably already knows who he wants. You definitely want competition without question. I think competition at every single position is exactly what you have to have. If you don't have competition at every single position, then that's how you have people like, Bryce Young sitting on the sidelines behind Mac Jones. That's how you have Tua Tungavailoa and Jalen Hurts interchanging with one another because of competition. And that's what's great. And that's what makes Alabama a top five program every single year is that there is that type of competition to where if you don't elevate your play, it is always the next man up syndrome. No, that's right, man. And look, you mentioned Bryce Young. So Bryce Young played his first official NFL snap and didn't look bad. The Panthers as a team didn't look good. But man, was Bryce Young taking some shots. That was like the big worry, right? His size and these big giant defensive ends and linemen and how they're going to be coming right at him. And will he be able to handle the heat? Uh, after that game, they asked Frank Reich, the head coach, about Bryce Young taking some of those hits. Um, I thought he took the one big hit. You know, obviously, that first hit was pretty big, right? I mean, that first hit was pretty big. I asked him on the sideline, you know, kind of in the second. I waited until the second half. I said, well, that was, a, that was a pretty good welcome to the NFL hit. How'd that one feel? And, uh, you know, he said he was fine. He, barely, he said he barely felt it, so I don't know. Now, was it a little late? Pardon? Was that hit a little late? I don't think so. I think it was a good hit. Getting hit is something that's going to happen in the NFL, and we saw Bryce Young take a licking yeah. while he was at Alabama. And as a matter of fact, I had an opportunity this weekend to binge on that 2B special when Bryce was in high school. It's called QB1. Mm -hmm. And I, Bryce, 
one of the things that his high school coach at Matter Day made sure was that the offensive line protected Bryce. But Bryce is, is just that he has that competitive edge and that type of toughness that is second to none. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. And I know that they only put up a donut against the Jets, 27 to nothing. But at the same time, Bryce is going to be fine. Anthony Richardson is going to be fine. I think that you look at any rookie quarterback, and Bryce is one that because he was taken number one, sometimes you hold off on naming that overall number one pick your starting quarterback. Yeah, for, no. a, long, for a long while they were saying it was going to be Andy Dalton. Um, and Andy Dalton is a serviceable quarterback. New Orleans Saints fans, they may feel a different tune, but Andy Dalton ain't that bad. Um, but, no, I mean, like, look, you got to roll with Bryce, and he's going to take some licks. That offensive line was not doing him any favors. I don't – he's a small guy. What is he – is he 5'11"? Is he under 6'? We'll foot? give him we'll, – yes, he's definitely under 6 foot. We'll, we'll give him 5'11". We'll stretch – we'll stretch Bryce Young out to 5'11". Like, can you imagine if I had a helmet and shoulder pads on? That would be like me out there. And, and, and throwing dimes. Sure, I wish. I, throwing dimes is, is what Bryce is known to do. But at the same time, the, the, the Panthers traded up with the Bears to get Bryce Young. It's not like that they were initially going to pick number one, So, right. meaning they had the worst franchise in the NFL. Not the case, but you still have to protect your assets. And Bryce is going to take some hits. He's going to take some licks. But I think the Panthers, they're going to get better as the year progresses. And it's going to be fun to watch Bryce Young bring a different element to that franchise and the excitement around the Carolina Panthers is – Pound the Panthers is what their motto. Pound with the Panthers is what their motto is. But it was fun to watch. So, you know, you say pound the Panthers. I think they're about to be pounding with the Patriots. Got some breaking news that just came through. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. I'll say this. I know Michael is going to be talking about it tomorrow. <laughs> This is George Pada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT. Back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my partner Nick Wiggins, joining you on this scorching hot Monday afternoon. And, of course, we dropped our call with Tony Sakalis, and we hate we weren't able to finish up that call. But, of course, you can follow Tony Sakalis is again, he's one of the great, great, and does and provide great coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He's the managing editor for Tide Illustrated and Rivals, and we look forward to getting him back on later on in the week. But you kind of teased it a little bit, Nick Wiggins. Of course, we all watched the preseason NFL this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and a little bit of breaking news for the New England Patriots. Yeah, so Ezekiel Elliott former Dallas Cowboys running back, has signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots for $6 million. He'll be joining that backfield with Damian Pierce, right? Or is that the Texans running back? No, Stevenson is the Patriots running Correct. back. Correct. Uh, but, yeah, so I don't know. What do you think, big move, or is it really not that big of a deal? 
I think it's a big time roster move for Bill Belichick. And I, I think that sometimes now, you know, Bill Belichick's not going to put up with Ezekiel Elliott's BS. Sure. I mean, you know, look, I gave you six mil to sit here and produce for me. And when you look at the, the running back room, Stevenson and Pierre Strong and J.J. Taylor and Kevin Harris, uh, not not a tremendously he, strong running yeah, back he's, room. He's the bona fide number two. Maybe even might get some number one play potentially. But how you know is Ezekiel Elliott? We know he grabbed the big paycheck, yeah. and he's the reason that one of the reasons that running backs can't get those big time salaries now. And w one reason that Josh Jacobs is holding out, Jonathan Taylor's holding out, because they want that Ezekiel Elliott type money now. Zeke Elliott, one year, $6 million. Do I think Zeke Elliott can prove himself that he still is hungry and wants to play in the NFL? I do, because the Patriots don't have that big name back. Right. Now, what do you think? So I see the New England Patriots, you know, and they're, they're in that tough division with your Miami Dolphins who are looking good, not against the Falcons in the preseason, though. <laughs> you know, you got the Bills that are always looking good. The Jets, Aaron Rodgers looking really good. I see the Patriots as like a seven-win team. You add on Ezekiel Elliott, I still see them as a seven-win team. I, that's not moving the needle for me, at least. I mean, how do you feel about the Patriots and being competitive moving forward after that move? Honestly, I think whoever wins the games between the Jets and the Patriots, that's who is not going to finish in this basement of the AFC East. Because the Bills are definitely the favorite, and rightfully so. The Dolphins, if Tua can stay healthy, Tonga Vailoa has enough weapons to where he can put a scare in you. Plus the fact that Buffalo and Miami, in when January rolls around, that game's going to be in Miami, not Buffalo, in that cold weather. So that makes a difference when you look at their head-to-head -head matchups. But Ezekiel Elliott added to the Patriots roster. I look forward to seeing what – and if he'll get any reps because I think the Patriots – Upcoming schedule says they're getting ready to play Green Bay up here uh, coming up. So, yeah, they are going to play Green Bay this Saturday. And then after that, they'll end the preseason with the Titans. So coming in, learning the playbook, yeah. Bill O'Brien becoming acquainted to what he's doing. That's a, that's a big time move. And I know that there were big time moves made this weekend at the NBA Hall of Fame as right. well. Some crossovers by D Wade, I like the fact that Allen Iverson pre presented D Wade at the Hall of Fame. The Wade Blazer had the number on the back. Loved it, but you also love the fact that D Wade had an opportunity to show his dad some love. These speeches are always classic, especially when you're able to shout out a family member. D Wade showing much love to his father, Dwayne Wade Sr. I started this off thanking you, and I want to end it the same way. I owe you a debt of gratitude that I'll never be able to repay. When I would cry and say I can't, you made me go harder. You pushed me to limits that I didn't know were inside of me. The hard work I put in was because I didn't want to let you down. Those countless hours in the backyard where we would compete against each other like strangers, it built me to last. Those days that turned into late nights of me working on my left hand so it was just as good as my right, it made me an unstoppable force. 
that time you got kicked out of the game as my coach and snuck back in the side door and coached me from the stands just to get kicked out again. It showed me that there was no limitations on how you would show up for me. It's the exact same way I try to show up for my kids. So even though I hated being called Little Duane, I admired you as a kid. I admire you now. We had the same exact dream, and we carry the same exact name, Duane Tyrone Wade, to know we hustled all the way to the Basketball Hall of Fame is God's will. So Pops, I know your knees are a little sore, but will you join me on stage as we take our rightful step into basketball heaven? D-Wade in basketball heaven, Nick. I love D-Wade and the fact that he was able to shout out his father. That's good stuff. Aaron Freeman locked on the Atlanta Falcons. Scheduled to join us. The Atlanta Falcons beat up on my Miami Dolphins this weekend. Man. We'll talk to Aaron Freeman, locked on Falcons, coming up to start our number two of the final drive. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. That's right. We're back. The final drive. Here we are. And look, there was obviously some NFL preseason action. It's no secret that I'm a big Atlanta Falcons fan. But some of you guys might not know that my guy over here, Corey LeBounty, is a Miami Dolphins fan. <laughs> so that's why I'm eagerly, eagerly waiting to talk to our next guest, Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. Aaron, how's it going, man? Going great, guys. I'd like to be talking with you today about some uh, actual football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Enough of the speculation. I'm sure there will be a little bit of it, though. Look, let's talk about – I want to get into this roster move real quick because very rarely are you able to sign the best defensive player in the league during preseason. Now, I didn't specify what, which league. Aaron, can you break that down a little more about our new linebacker? I was I was a little confused at first when you asked me that question, and now I realize who you're talking about. You're talking about USFL Defensive Player of the Year linebacker Frank Ginda. Yeah, the Falcons picked him up to shore up their depth at that linebacker position. I thought for a second you were like, did they sign Aaron Donald? And I missed that news. But, uh, yeah, Frank Ginda's going to add some depth, much-needed depth for the Falcons at that linebacker position. That's where they're pretty thin uh, right now. They just uh, moved on from Michael Walker. He was the most experienced player in that room having been in Atlanta in the last three years and that kind of tells you that he's only you know a three-year veteran and he was the most experienced player that they had at that position and Frank Ginda kind of bounced around various leagues like the USFL the last couple of years the XFL the AAF but he's shined when he's got an opportunity to play on those lower levels of competition and now he's going to get an opportunity to take his game to the NFL uh, and see if he can shine in Atlanta 
An interesting fact, the Falcons at linebacker Wade Michael Walker, who started at the position last year for the Falcons. And not only when you weigh players, you try to keep players fresh as well. Bijan Robinson looking to, to get some action versus the Cincinnati Bengals possibly coming up this week. Yes, uh, I think everybody's been waiting with bated breath to get to see some real action with Bijan. He's been uh, shining in practices, uh, shining in some of the joint practices last week against the Dolphins, and the hope is that he'll continue shining uh, this weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals where the Falcons will have their home opener in the preseason at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and we should see the majority of the Falcons starters this weekend, including Bijan Robinson. And I think it's mostly for the Falcons, at least in Bijan's case. I don't think you're going to see a lot of him. He might get a series, maybe two, a couple of touches, just to kind of get his feet wet. And they're fully preparing to fully unleash Bijan upon the unsuspecting Carolina Panthers when they get to the regular season come September. Aaron, I saw a running back depth chart on Twitter where they had Bijan as the third running back. Now, was that like butt crack sports that posted that or was that legitimate? Yeah, you know, this was the quote-unquote official Atlanta Falcons depth chart that basically some intern in the building is basically to put together and historically speaking under Arthur Smith, I think you see this elsewhere in the league, they tend to not want to put rookies in the starting lineup so they kind of bury those guys on the depth chart so Bijan is buried behind players like Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier who were very productive the last two seasons in Atlanta and I I wouldn't put too much stock into it, we will see plenty of Bijan Robinson uh, come the regular season. Well, I, I want to know, I, and I've been curious about people calling the NFC South one of the weakest divisions in the entire NFL, not only a year ago, but that carrying over to this year as well. Of course, here along the Gulf Coast, you have plenty of New Orleans Saints fans, but you, you don't have Tom Brady. You have Bryce Young, who's taken over as a rookie. The Atlanta Falcons are, are trying to find that stability at quarterback. The Saints do have a new quarterback, so it's an entire brand new division quarterback-wise, but is the NFC South going to be stronger this year? I, I think it's going to be more competitive, right? I think last year everybody expected the Bucks to kind of roll in the division, and they kind of struggled. And I, I think that led to some of the criticisms towards the division where you just didn't have a lot of great football being played amongst any of the teams last season. And I think this year is going to be different. I think it's going to continue to be very competitive. You may see one or, or so games separating you know, the team in first place, the second place. I think all the teams last year were within one game between first place and last place. You'll probably see something like you know three or four games maybe separating the last place team to the first place team and while I, I think the perception of the NFC South is, is negative because there's probably not a team in this division that you would sort of peg as a uh, can't miss playoff team or potential Super Bowl contender compared to some of the other divisions in the NFC like the NFC West with the 49ers the NFC East with uh, the Eagles and a lot of people hyping up the Detroit Lions in the NFC South I don't know if there was a team of that caliber in the NFC South um, but you know, I think with uh, top to bottom, this may be one of the stronger conferences, at least in terms of, 
you may have one of the better fourth place teams in the MC South this year. So I expect it to be a very competitive division where it stacks up in various people's power rankings is not necessarily something I spend a lot of energy or, or time thinking about, but I think it's going to be a very competitive division this year. It's no secret that the Atlanta Falcons have not been the defensive powerhouse in the NFL over the past 20 seasons, maybe. But this offseason, they were taking all the steps to strengthen that defense. And those guys didn't even play in that game against Miami, but that defense still looked elite. What, what can you take away from that preseason game about just maybe the change in the energy or the vibe uh, on the Falcons' defense? Yeah, I think energy and vibe are probably the appropriate terms in there. Uh, they played with a lot of energy. They were able to create turnovers. They were very aggressive blitzing uh, in that Dolphins game, getting after it, finishing that game with five sacks, uh, getting a sack strip, uh, creating four turnovers, including three interceptions, getting a couple on a deflection, including a pick six by a backup cornerback, Breon Borders, in the fourth quarter. So I think that's kind of it. It's the energy. It's the vibe. It's being an opportunistic defense is being aggressive and when you put the starters in with the many additions that the Falcons have made this offseason with Calais Campbell, David Onyemata up front on the defensive line, Bud Dupree uh, as well to enhance that pass rush, Caden Ellis, the linebacker from the New Orleans Saints who was also a very effective pass rusher last year, and with Jesse Bates on the back end, Jeff Akuda's dealing with a, a bit of an injury right now, but he is expected back in the, in the middle of the season when of the top draft picks uh, several years ago uh, with the Detroit Lions, you have a big talent infusion for the team. And so if they play with the same sort of energy that we saw from some of the second and third stringers on Friday against the Dolphins, I think people are real excited to see what this Falcons defense can do. I also want to talk about a rookie from Alabama in our neck of the woods here in the state of Alabama, DeMarco Hellams. He came in and he made his stamp known in his brief stint there against the Miami Dolphins. Hellams, that's one hell of a way to start your NFL career. Absolutely. Made a great play at the goal line to get that interception to keep the Dolphins out of the end zone on their opening drive. Then, I thought where Hellams really shined against the Dolphins was as that sort of enforcer at the safety position. You know, he was popping a couple of guys uh, that were sort of roaming over the middle. I know the rule changes don't allow you to sort of be a Ronnie Lott in the middle of the defense anymore. But I think Hellams brings that sort of energy and that sort of swagger and that sort of um, – enforcer mentality that is kind of sorely lacking with this Falcons uh, defense and that they haven't really had uh, for the last couple of years since the heyday of Keanu Neal, uh, their former 2016 first-round pick. And so I think Helms brings a little bit of that energy to the lineup, and I thought that was fully on display Friday night. Almost brought a tear to my eye, man. I miss that Keanu Neal, Deion Jones defense. But, hey, Aaron, look, man, it was great talking to you. We look forward to talking to you throughout the season. And, look, I got Atlanta winning 11 games this year. So <laughs> I'm hoping we can rub it in Corey and everyone else around here uh, in New Orleans Saints County's face. Absolutely, guys. All right, man. Thanks. Great job there. Aaron Freeman locked on Falcons. And, of course, if you want to have an opportunity to follow, you know, Triple G, is not one of the few Falcons fans because we do have a lot of Atlanta Braves fans, Atlanta sure. Falcons fans around this neck of the woods. But 
again, when you're locked on Falcons the way Aaron Freeman is, it, we love to have him making his debut here on the final drive. And because you are that big-time Falcons fans, I guarantee that won't be the last time we'll hear from him. That's right, man. Look, Atlanta, they got something cooking this year, okay? Last year we were marinating, and now we're putting it in the oven. So we're ready. You would like to you can follow him on X or Twitter. Whatever at you want to call it. F A L C fans. That's F A L C F A N S Aaron Freeman at Falcon Fans. And if you have an opportunity to follow him, he just gives you the updated information on the Atlanta Falcons. But plenty of news continuing to come out of the NFL, Nick. And one of the interesting things, when you had the Hall of Fame ceremony a week ago there in Canton, DeMarcus Ware, a Hall of Famer, when he comes in to the NFL Hall of Fame and you look at the display for his Hall of Fame, what is noticeably absent out of his trophy case. You see the Troy Trojans helmet. Of course, he does go to Troy. But you don't see a Dallas Cowboys jersey. You see a Denver Broncos jersey in his NFL Hall of Fame case. A lot of Cowboy fans were up in arms about that, saying, look, man, he, he spent 80% of his career and had over 80% of his sacks with the Cowboys organization and franchise, where's the Cowboy love do they for only, DeMarcus Ware? Do they only pick the one jersey? I know he won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos, and because of that, I can see that being one of the reasons they would want to highlight yeah. him being a Denver Broncos player. But I'm kind of like the Cowboys fans. I, I think that you spend a majority of your career, and even though you know it was highlighted with the ultimate and the pinnacle of playing in the NFL with the Super Bowl bust, I still think you could have gone half Broncos and half Cowboys, or it wouldn't have done you any harm to add a Cowboys jersey into his NFL trophy case. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, I've never been. I don't know what it looks like. But if they only choose one, another guy who finished his career as a Bronco, Peyton Manning, do you think that he's – is that a Colts jersey in there or is that a Broncos? Or is that maybe one where they did the half and half? That's a great point as well. And, and I know that, you know, the bust is just from the neck up. It doesn't have a jersey on sure. it. But we, we'd have to make that trip to Canton, Ohio, or, or do some research there from someone who's going to be making that trip to find out because the, the pictures were so evident of DeMarcus Ware and the Denver Broncos jersey that is in the trophy case. I, I think that, you know, Peyton Manning, absolutely. Do I think that he goes in as a Colt? I, well, that's a that's a great, that's up for debate. Well, you, you know where else you can find Peyton Manning other than Canton, Ohio, don't you? Professor Peyton! <laughs> that's right. You know, Professor Peyton, uh, you know, him and Eli always love to make jokes. Eli more so than Peyton. Eli... On Saturday Night Live, he goes in on Peyton Manning's head and sure. the shape of it yep. and the size of it yep. on the ESPN2 broadcast. So we know there's a plenty of a brain up there. That's right. But Professor Peyton Manning, I love it. Hey, if, you, if you're if uh, you looking to take some communications classes and transfer up to Knoxville, 
You might have uh, Dr. Manning, Mr. Manning teaching your class. I wonder, I hope he's not teaching any night classes <laughs> on Monday nights. We might not get that Manning cast anymore. Well, I, I tell you what, I think it would be great to have his class included on the Manning cast oh, since it's a go. communications and broadcast sure. class that he's teaching in Knoxville at Tennessee. Why not include them in on the fun? Why there not go. go ahead and put them behind the scenes, let them go to work and, and be in depth and helping Peyton Manning go ahead and teach. But no, Peyton Professor Manning is teaching in Knoxville a communications class. I thought that that was pretty interesting as well. The final drive here, Corey LeBounty along with Triple G, Nick Wiggins joining you on this scorching hot Monday afternoon. Hope you're staying hydrated and finding a way to stay cool. Of course, Nick and I both love NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. You give us a reason to talk it, and we're definitely going to talk it. We're going to talk it as loud as James Harden was doing over in China. Yeah. As he had some some not-so-nice things to say to his owner of the Philadelphia 76ers. The final drive will be right back. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. We are back on the final drive. And like before we hit the break, Corey hit us with the little teaser. There's some things going on overseas right now, guys. Obviously, some more important than what we're going to talk about. But look, <laughs> James Harden is having his camp in China. And look, the, the Chinese population, they love the Houston Rockets. And James Harden, he's a top three Houston Rocket of all time. So they love James Harden, even though he isn't even there anymore. But James Harden, we know how China feels about Daryl Morey, right? We remember all that. <laughs> they were about to cut. All NBA because of Daryl Morey's comments. What was that, like right in 2020? Yeah, COVID. Yeah. So James Harden is definitely playing to his audience with these comments, but we know that James Harden wants out of Philly. He hasn't been traded yet. It came out uh, either yesterday or a few days ago that, nope, they are not trading James Harden. Sorry. And so James Harden, he had these comments to his Kids basketball camp in China. Put put the statue up. S- say it one <laughs> more time. If, if you if you couldn't hear that audio clearly, James Harden said, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. And he said, I'll say it again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of an organization that he's a part of. Now remember, Daryl Morey was the GM of the Houston Rockets. The reason that James Harden was able to play with Chris Paul, Daryl Morey brought him in. 
When he said, eh, nah, I'd rather Westbrook. Daryl Morey said, hey, man, I got you. Oh, you want to be at the club all night? You don't want to be at practice this morning? You want to be at shoot-around? You're good, man. Just keep dropping 50. Daryl Morey leaves. He goes and becomes a part of the Sixers organization. James Harden says, hey, I'm out too. I want to go to Brooklyn. They trade him to Brooklyn. <laughs> then James Harden says, you know what? I want to link up with my guy again, my main man, Daryl Morey. We got a good relationship. Send me to Philly. They said, all right, man. We'll make it work. Now here we are, and James Harden says, I want out of Philly. He re-ups. He accepts his player option. He could have been a free agent this offseason, but he was under the impression, hey, I'll accept this one-year deal, and you're going to trade me somewhere I want to go, and I'm going to be able to get a big Supermax uh, big deal on my next contract. And now Daryl Morey, he's saying, nah, man, actually, you're stuck. What, what are you thinking about this whole this whole thing. Are you Team Maury or are you Team Harden? It, it's not that I'm Team Maury, but James Harden trying to force a trade three teams in three years. I, listen, Harden's better days are behind him. He's not worth max money any longer. Year to year, okay. You you want to go seek out a championship? How many NBA championship rings does James Harden have? <laughs> not a single one. So if I'm him, apparently it's all about the money for James Harden. Three stripes and Adidas are taking care of him because that's why he's in China first and foremost, speaking at an Adidas clinic in China. Yep. But Harden, again, prolific score, can give you buckets. But when you needed him the most to go ahead and save Doc Rivers' job, where was James Harden? Did he show up in game seven for the Philadelphia 76ers? And now, look, there wouldn't have been a game seven if it weren't for James Harden. Can't argue that, but I need for him to continue and to be consistent. Take it to that next level. You want that super max. Show me where you've taken it to that next level as right. an NBA player. A prolific score. Hey, listen. Prolific. James Harden, one of my favorite players. Prolific. James Harden led the league in assists last year, man. James Harden. Got Joel Embiid an MVP, man. He did. James Harden could have been a free agent this year. He could have went anywhere he wanted. I believe that he was under the impression, hey, look, you know what? Because, look, you, if you can trade James Harden, you're going to get something back. If he leaves in free agency, you're not getting anything. I Look, I don't know what the talks were, but based on what Harden's saying and how I figured he wanted to leave anyway, I think he did accept that player option you know what i'll i'll sign it i know y'all are going to trade me and that way y'all can get something back and y'all can remain competitive and as long as y'all see me where i want to go and i bet daryl morey his boy who's done everything he's wanted up to this point daryl morey's a liar i bet he said yeah and i bet now he's like what the i saw a story it said he's forcing a trade now daryl morey uh you know what chris paul we're not going to trade you to the thunder for russell westbrook what happened the next day? Traded to the Thunder for Russell Westbrook. So look, maybe maybe I'm blinded by my love for the guy, right? Top five shooting guard of all time. Prolific score. Top five shooting guard of all time. Prolific score. MVP. MVP. Playmaker. Can't argue that. But what you can argue with Nick is. He went scoreless in the second half in game seven, bro. He went scoreless. 
Come on. I went scoreless versus you <laughs> and Mark Hamm. I went scoreless. Bronner went scoreless, bruh. You don't go scoreless as a uh, asking for super max money and go scoreless in the second half, man, in game seven. What has Hard done to make we, his mark? We don't even necessarily know he's asking for super max money. He just wanted to get out. He wanted to go to the Clippers. He wanted to play with Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi. Man, that would have been my new favorite NBA team. My gosh, so many players I like on there. But Daryl Morey, he ain't letting it happen. So we're going to see because we know that James Harden can force his way out of a situation. Oh, he's done did it. He's already done it. The headlines, because now who's going to be the liar? Is it going to be the president of the 76ers or is it going to be James Harden? Who do you think is going to be proving a liar first? Because Harden flat what out did said, Harden lie about? He, he flat out said, I, uh, I, uh, Daryl Moore is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Well, last time I checked, guess who's signing your che- checks, brother? G- g- guess, guess what city of brotherly love uh-huh. you're still a part of? I don't see any free agent James Harden jerseys being sold on the market. I see Philadelphia 76ers That's what I'm saying, though. But he could have been a free agent. But I think that Daryl Morey, I think they had an agreement. Look, accept the option. We'll trade you. We'll get something back. And now, all of a sudden, maybe he wasn't able to get what he wanted back. I'm Team Harden on this one, man. Let the man who free James Harden. Get that man to L.A. So, so you think he's not going to be the liar in this situation? He, where, where he's going to go to the Clippers? He's going to force his way to play with the Clippers. He's trying. I don't know if the Clippers can maybe match what. No, the they Sixers can't do want. It. Can't I don't do know it. if anyone can. C- c- they can't. That's but the problem. Isn't anything better than a guy who's not going to play at all? For Harden's sake. He's going to wind up not playing for Philly because now that he's done called this man out a liar, you, you can't back, you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. Can't happen. And I, I think that, you know, again, I love James Harden, outstanding, prolific player. But you show me a ring, and then you can show me the money. Man, you guys in your ring culture, man. <laughs> Dude's a hoofer. He is I feel a hoofer. bad for Nick Nurse. <laughs> yeah. Dude's Nick, just like, I just started. I, I just, <laughs> hey, look, I just want to coach two of the greatest just, players on the planet together. The door. No question about it. Coming up next here at 430 on the final drive, John Hendricks. Talk a little bit. New Orleans Saints, they made some big-time news. Had a big win against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Caesars Dome on yesterday. We'll talk to John Hendricks next here on the final drive. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Triple G, Nick Wiggins, in the producing box for us for many, many days to come. And, of course, preseason football on last night, the Saints squeaked by the Chiefs 26-24. to A little bit shocked that Patrick Mahomes, he's one of the few superstars, elite players that you see go ahead and play in preseason, yeah. but wants that consistency and continuity amongst his teammates. But the Saints come away with a big-time win over the Chiefs. And we, we welcome in 
Our next guest, he's always into the Saints without question, John Hendricks, Saints lead writer and reporter for Saints News for the Fan Nation at SI.com. John, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. Just trying to stay cool like everybody else. It's not going that great. <laughs> no, no, that's that's virtually impossible. And I, I tell you, those guys are earning their millions for sure out there on the football field. But you, you look at the takeaways. What was your biggest takeaway from yesterday's game with the Saints coming from behind and finding a way to win at the end? Well, I think my biggest takeaway is I don't need to see anything else from the first-team offense or first-team defense. Um, I feel confident in their ability to produce, and so I feel like, you know, having watched two weeks' worth of, of training camp sessions, seeing it all put together and being able to deliver some good results like they did on offense and defense, I really don't need to see much else. And so I feel like, um, you know, now the focus shifts to, you know, you got to solve things on the backup side, uh, you got to figure out things in special teams. Just a lot more attention. It's kind of like a weight lifting. So I, I think with this, you know, I think I'd be more inclined to be a little bit more worrisome if they couldn't get the thing going or get the drive going and stuff. But look, they did this without Chris Olave, who's been on fire at training camp. And I think that's really one of the most encouraging things for me. Is they used Juwan Johnson, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas getting involved, a little bit of everything to make their first drive really good. And so. Look, I feel confident in this first team and going forward. So you say uh, that you don't think that the first team needs to get any more rip, uh, reps. You think they're solidified. Who on those second or third team do you think popped in that preseason game that might be able to get a lot of play potentially in the regular season? Yeah, I think uh, when you look at it, and so I tell you, we're going to get some sample size at training camp this week uh, with joint practices with the Chargers. I think that's going to be a little bit more valuable to that first team in offense and defense this week. I think for this coming up, you know, guys that might carve a role out of it, linebackers that we don't really talk about, guys that have been here for special teams, guys like Ty Summers or Ryan Connolly or two that I think – probably helped their case a good bit. You know, I think A.T. Perry helped his case a really considerable amount for his showing. And so he's somebody that's had ups and downs a little bit in training camp. But, man, he's just really brought it a good bit. And so it was good to see him put it together in the game situation. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are still differently uh, to, to James Winston. But, look, I think he's, he's proved that, you know, as a backup in, in his role, he looks outstanding. I thought he did a phenomenal job other than the facts. So, Otherwise, on defense, I'd say Ugo Amadi is one that, that distanced himself and, and really made a name for himself. Him, guys like you know Lonnie Johnson Jr., another one that could potentially make something of himself. And so I think overall, more sample size is probably needed on some of the guys, the, the third strings on and the linebacker. I, I like Nephi Sewell. I think he was another one that popped a little bit for me. Uh, DeMarco Jackson, I like kind of what I saw from him. So there's a lot more to, to kind of weigh out because – Ultimately, I, I didn't like the offensive line play in the second and third, uh, you know, teams. I think they got to figure that out. I think they got to figure out the guys behind Pete Warner and Demario Davis. I feel good about the trenches uh, and the pass rush. I feel good about everything else except those two positions and the kicking battles, punting and kicking. Kawan Baker, former South Alabama Jaguar right here in our Mobile, Alabama backyard. Two catches for 30 yards in the preseason. You have to make every single rep count and every 
target count as well. And Kawan Baker comes away with a couple of catches and really showed himself to be efficient for the Saints. Yeah, not only that, but he made an excellent special teams play at the end of the half where, you know, they got the turnover and then they had to punt because they're not able to do much with it. But, man, he made an outstanding gunner rep down there where he just was able to get the ball, keep it in, pin the Chiefs deep. I mean, those plays, that's, that's how you make a team. And so even in, you got to remember, too, for all these players out there, you're not just auditioning for the Saints, you're auditioning for 31 other teams. And so when you see plays like that and the capabilities and add on the, the fact that you can catch footballs and, and be able to, to do things like that, that helps your roster case a good bit. And he's a guy that spent time on the practice squad doing, a, you know, spending a couple of years in this particular system. And so, you know, I think he's a guy that if he can continue to put things together, it definitely helps his case. I don't know about the final roster, but I think it, it definitely pole vaults him for the practice squad. And other teams are going to be paying attention for sure. So Alvin Kamara obviously has that suspension. But whenever he's back, you've got Williams out there now. What is that running back rotation backfield going to look like when everyone's, you know, there and ready to play? Yeah, and they, uh, they avoided a big scare with Kendra Miller. You know, hurt himself yesterday uh, during the game, minor knee sprain, so he'll be out for one to two weeks, and they're going to be cautious. I probably wouldn't think we won't see him until the, the opening game. But, look, I think with it, you know, when it all comes together, it'll probably be similar to what we saw in the first drive. You'll see a lot of Alvin Kamara, especially in the receiving department. Jamal Williams will come in a little bit. I think they're going to run a lot more two running back sets. That's something we've seen in training camp. And then, look, Kendra, he's going to be a big part of it when Alvin's out. And so if he can improve a little bit in the, as a, uh, uh, out of the backfield catching passes, I think that's going to go a long way for him. But, you know, ultimately, you've seen three-headed monsters work in plenty of, of places. Alvin Kamara is definitely going to be the featured back. He's hopefully more uh, active in the receiving department. Jamal Williams, he can do a little bit of everything. This is a guy who also can catch. I mean, he did that in Green Bay. And so he's going to provide that energy. And then Kendra, you know, look, they're going to use him when they need to. But I, I feel like it's going to work. And something Derek Carr had said is everybody's pushing forward together. And, and you know, there's no, like, selfish selfish play out there. Everybody wants to get you be united and have the same goal of trying to get this team back in the postseason and try to get a shot at the Super Bowl. The best story you mentioned moments ago about the kicking game, special teams for the New Orleans Saints, and the kicker who makes the game-winning field goal, you have an opportunity as an undrafted free agent. You get questioned by the security guards during the pregame. You hit the game winner. Then you get stopped by the security at the Superdome when you're trying to exit. Man, I know there's some no-limit soldiers in New Orleans, but come on, man. Show the kicker some love. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it's a hilarious story because you look at Blake Groupie, you're, you're like, man, this guy does it just doesn't look like it, right? I mean, I, I joke here, but it looks like he's in – they have to get special pads ordered for him because of his, his stature and such. But, man, he's got a heck of a leg. I mean, he can drill him from 62 – he has the long ball. I mean, he's just the guy that, that can do a lot of things. I've been saying I wouldn't be surprised if he's on our, somebody else's roster in week one if he can't beat Will Lutz out. And I think that job right now is for Will Lutz. And so I, I think when it's all said and done, you know, there's a, a team, a former coach that might be paying attention here that's in Denver or that might try to get him. And, and so 
I think Lutz is the guy that's moving forward with confidence. But, man, what a crazy thing to be, you know, questioned and then not to be, <laughs> I would say detained, but just to have light of that, to go from a whirlwind of emotions like, what are you doing here to, oh, you just won the game, to what are you doing here? I, I think it's just one of the crazy moments that happen for the preseason. But those guys uh, over at the Dome, they do a, a good job of, of keeping things tight. That's one of the best stories to me in all preseason when you look at it, a, a, a kicker not getting access before the game or after the game. And it's one thing if you're the kicker and you're quiet and you don't, you're don't, you not hitting a game winner, to, but to be that difference maker, now he's made his face known. And that that's a pretty good joke that will be going back on. Uh, you mentioned the Saints in action Sunday against the Chargers. Of course, the great thing about preseason is you have a little in-camp work to where the behind-the-scenes, you're really probably playing the Chargers twice, maybe even three times, but you just are it's being televised there on next Sunday, and then the Saints wind up playing Houston to end their regular or their preseason schedule. John, I know your tremendous coverage of the Saints is on a daily basis, hourly basis, bringing every other Saints fans up to date. How can people follow all your tremendous New Orleans Saints coverage? Yeah, best thing, I uh, and I really appreciate that, but the best way to do that is to just go to saints.media, and that'll take you to SI's page with all of our coverage. And then if you're out on Twitter, or now it's called X, um, John J. Hendricks, that's Hendricks just like Jimmy, not like Jen. Appreciate it so much, John. We'll catch up back with you probably five or six games into the season as the Saints will see whether they stand divisionally after coming off Alvin Kamara's suspension and him having returned a couple of games. All right, bud. Thanks. Appreciate you having me. All right. John Hendricks joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And, Nick, before we – well, I'll tease it now. I, I, I will say this, Nick. I love me some Michael Jordan. Mm. I know, I know you don't think he's the GOAT, but I do. I like the brand. Now, now the brand in and of itself has some new additions. Jump man, jump man, jump man. To the family. Them boys up to something. They up to <laughs> something there. We'll let you know who is the newest member of the jump man family when we return here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. To the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. It's time now for the Golf Report, brought to you by Dan Hart, LLC, Engineered Products and Services, with our man John Rachetti. John Rachetti, where are you broadcasting from tonight? And what's on tap for the show? Well, I tell you what, there, Corey. We're live at Felix's Fish Camp on the Causeway on a gorgeous uh, Monday and a hot one, as usual. And uh, spent a few days up in Canada, and I'm back into the Great uh, Gulf Coast, and it is hot. You know, it is hot, and uh, I know people are still playing a lot of golf, but I, I just encourage everybody, please be hydrated throughout there and. Uh, be smart because it is hot and it is quite dangerous at times to be out there in this heat. Well, I know you'll be talking a lot about how hot Lucas Glover is tonight on your show for sure. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. This guy has played, uh, you know, he's won twice. Uh, so I guess now he's got six tour wins. 
you know, here's a guy that started off a week or so, two couple weeks ago, like 118th, 119th in the FedEx Cup standings. He wasn't going to make the playoffs. Next thing you know, I think he's like sixth now, and he's secured a spot into the Tour Championship in a, two, a few weeks. I know they're going to be at the BMW Championship this week, but the guy had battled putting issues, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, he's got it going on, and he found the right, you know, found a way to make putts and so forth. And you've watched him down the stretch yesterday, the putts that he made for pars, birdies, and even a bogeys that held him in. So the putter actually saved him yesterday, and then he got in the playoff with Cantley and ended up winning uh, in the playoffs. So, no, congratulations to Lucas Glover. He's in the equation right now for, uh, you know, obviously for the Ryder Cup. Absolutely, and I know you'll cover that and more tonight from Felix's Fish Camp as you'll be bringing the Miller Lite John Rochetti's golf show to everyone immediately following here and the final drive. And we can't thank you enough for bringing us this Dan Hart LLC Engineered Products and Services golf update. And I know Triple G in the building here hey, pushing now, the buttons. Now, John, you're having Michael on location for the first time ever. You're going to save him some appetizers, right? Oh, yeah. We got Bronner. My man's going to be part of You know, he's been behind the scenes, so we're going to bring him in onto the scene tonight. And, uh, you know, he can talk about his boy Rory McIlroy again, almost winning this weekend. But back to Lucas Glover real quick, guys. He's played 22 rounds. His last 22 rounds on the PGA Tour, 21 out of 22 have been in the 60s. In the 60s, one round he shot 71. They're all under par. The guy is hottest player in the world right now, and it showed again this weekend. He's on fire, just like your show's going to be tonight from Felix's Fish Camp. And we hope you join us, Rachetti. Hopefully you'll join us at our WNSP 30th anniversary fall football party at Heroes this coming Thursday from 3 to 6 to where you can see all our, our fans at WNSP come in and have a chance to win that 65-inch smart television along with that leather recliner from Barrow Fine Furniture and that television from Bailey's Television and Mattress and complete that man cave, brother. Well, I, I, I'm going to plan on being there. I used to, you know, I've been to many, many of those. I've even got on the air, talked a little uh, talk a little football with you guys. And uh, I'm going to make arrangements and uh, hopefully I can be out, you know, be out there at 3 o'clock with you guys and, uh, you know, see how you guys are doing. So looking forward to it. You guys keep up the good work and uh, looking forward to tonight's show. Appreciate it. John Rachetti joining us this afternoon. And, of course, of catch out his show at Felix's right after the final drive. And before we went to break, we were talking a little jump man, jump man. You know, that's right. that Michael Jordan logo where he has his iconic brand with his legs open and the ball if, being if, palmed. If you see a thumb. Then they got the, that off. Uh, the, 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 you know that's bootleg. <laughs> they got that out of Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, that's bootleg jump man. <laughs> but right. there's there's nothing bootleg about except when he runs it for the Philadelphia Eagles. About the next person who's going to be joining Jump Man, and that's going to be Jalen Hurts. He joins the Jordan brand along with Bryce Young, already signing that contract with the Jordan brand, and Dak Prescott 
also, I know people aren't really sold on Dak Prescott, yeah. but yeah. yet and still, you do have Bryce Young, Dak Prescott, and now Jalen Hurts Not on bad. top of that 200 and what, 25 million or was it 250 i i him and herbert both Big old it, number. it was a, yeah it was a huge historic number there for about a week now he adds the Jumpman brand and the jordan brand to his endorsements also i love those uh jordan one cleats that yeah they wear those are clean man what is your look you're a jordan guy sometimes yep. i'll wear some jordans every now and then if you had to pick one which one I'm going 11, patent leather. Oh, Anything patent yeah. leather is and now now I will say this from a football standpoint the ones look very good. I told you I was watching that 2B documentary mm -hmm. QB1 and one of the quarterbacks that was featured in the documentary, he had on some Jordan 1 football cleats. Now, I think from a color assortment, the ones, you can you can get them to match any type of pattern or anything that you want. But my favorite Jordans are definitely going to be the retro 11s. Yeah, I man, think no. Dallas Turner, that's one of the first things when I interviewed him right. at the Alabama linebacker. He's like, man, you rocking those Black Cat 11s. I'm that's like, right. yeah. They're, they're, they're some of my favorites, you know. But as far as Jalen Hurts continuing to represent the iconic brand that is the Jordan brand, Bryce Young, another phenomenal player joining it, along with Dak Prescott, no problems there. And as we get ready to enter the third hour of the final drive, Zach Blackerby, will be joining us. He's locked on Auburn. He'll nice. give us a feel for how things are going with Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. Man, the, as the show is zooming by. It, it it'll fly by. I mean, as soon as you get it in gear, I mean, it, it just it absolutely flies by. In, but in the app user PPI, he says he, he rocks the fives, the sixes, or the sevens. He says the 11s are played out. And that they don't ho hold up, and that's why they come out oh, wow. with a re-release every year. How you feel about that? No, 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 no. I like the 11s. They make me feel like yeah. a cool PE patent coach. Patent leather, man. You can <laughs> wear those with a tuxedo. So I love hey, the patent right. leather. You just have to take care of them. Mine still are OG'd from in the late 90s. They're still the OG style. So, no, nah, I, I got to go with the 11s. I'm going to stay with them regardless. And we want to thank everyone for listening here to the final drive on WNSP 105.5, hour three, coming up. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the Final Drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Welcome to our number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by my main man, Triple G, Nick Wiggins. Of course, if you want to correspond with us, you can do so by downloading the Sound of Mobile app. That's a free downloadable app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. If you would love to correspond with us on the app, we'd love to hear from you. You can also call us the old-fashioned way. 251-694-1055. And don't forget, this coming Thursday, 
WNSP's 30th anniversary fall football party at Heroes USA. You can register to win a 65-inch smart television courtesy of Bailey's TV and mattress and also a 360-degree leather recliner from Barrow Fine Furniture. That's going to be this Thursday to where you have to be present to win. You have to be present to win. Of course, you want to register not only for those man cave prizes, to also get T-shirts, giveaways, meet special guests, and more all at Heroes. And that's WNSP's 30th anniversary fall football party at Heroes located by South Alabama. Look forward to seeing everyone this coming Thursday from 3 to 6. Of course, the pigs, the prep spotlight with Pigskin Pete will come right after the final drive from right. 6 to 7. So you'll have four total hours to come and hang out with us at Heroes this Thursday. And every Monday, we love to hang out with the one and only Zach Blackerby. And Zach Blackerby, of course, host of Locked on Auburn, joins us this evening. Zach, how's everything going, my man? It's good. Happy Monday to y'all. Absolutely happy hot Monday to you, brother. It's a it's a scorcher. I don't care where you are. You just try to stay cool. And thank God I, I don't have to put on the pads and, and, and practice because it's hard enough when you're out there covering it and watching it. But Auburn Tigers, I mean, they didn't they didn't get into the top 25 polls. But I tell you what, Hugh Freeze, before the end of this season, he's going to have Auburn in the top 25. That's a take, Corey, because, <laughs> I mean, I hope you're right. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, but they're going to certainly have the opportunity to do so. And, in fact, I think they'll have the opportunity to do it early. If they, you know, win their first few games and win against Texas A&M, you know, they're probably a top-20 team as they host Georgia early in the season. But, you know, they got to do that. they got to go to Cal. they got to go to Texas A&M. And I, I don't think they're going to win both of those games as it currently sits right now, then it's kind of an uphill battle after that. But they'll have the opportunity to play Ole Miss. They'll have the opportunity to go on the road to Arkansas, and, and obviously they'll have the opportunity to win a few other games. But, you know, I think those are going to kind of be the opportunities to make statements to get into the top 25. But I don't think a 7-5 Auburn team finishes in the top 25, Corey. So, uh, for, for them to be ranked, I think they're going to have to go better than that. And, man, I think any Auburn fan would certainly take that. But I'm just uh, – you've got more optimism than I do, I think, with uh, with that take. All right, look, Zach, so let's say that they do get off to a hot start. Like you said, the schedule's a little easier at the beginning. If everything works out perfectly, y'all, you know, have a good start to the season, y'all are ranked. Who is the quarterback that's leading that charge? Yeah, I think it'll be Peyton Thorne. Um, but Robbie Ashford's not going away. And look, there's a big part of the fan base that wants Robbie to start. I don't know if you free necessarily cares about that. But there's certainly energy behind this quarterback race. And I think, you know, there's been a, a bit of a spin since Saturday's scrimmage that Peyton Thorne has underperformed. I don't know if that's truly the accurate narrative. I think it's more of a competition than we all thought. Not because Thorne's underachieving, but I think Robbie Ashford is pushing him more than we all thought he would. And to me, that's kind of the, the takeaway of all of this. And look, Holden Gurner apparently has had a really good fall camp too. Such a pure thrower. But a lot of what he's done, a lot of these positive reports out of camp, they're great. 
But he is doing it against the third-team defense, and sometimes, you know, the second-team defense. And that stuff matters. That stuff matters. And that's just, you know, some of the context that gets lost when these reports slowly come out of fall camp, and it kind of takes a few days to really get to the bottom of it and see what that full context is. And by that point, you know, they've already had a few more practices. So it's a tricky situation. It's a lot of he said, she said type things in fall because we're all just so anxious for any type of news, any type of morsel of information about, you know, whoever's favorite team it is, whether it's Auburn, Alabama, whoever. Uh, we're all just ready for football. And I think that's just kind of a, a part of that. But, yeah, if I, I – I think Robbie is doing a lot better than we thought he would, but I still think Peyton wins the job. I will say this. With Auburn's recruiting effort, the last couple of weeks, you get a four-star cornerback in Jalua Solomon. That goes kind of under the radar after the huge splash of Demarcus Riddick, Malcolm Simmons, and then flipping over Perry Uno Thompson from right here in Foley. This weekend, mm -hmm. Auburn gets a four-star defensive lineman, T.J. Lindsey, and that kind of went quiet as kept as well. Another great recruit coming from outside of the state for the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, been committed since Big Cat Weekend, and he kind of revealed that in his announcement video. Um, Locked on Auburn, a clip from Locked on Auburn was also in his announcement video, so that, that was pretty cool for him to, uh, to, or whoever made that, to be watching watching the show. But you're right. I mean, I was talking about this with Daryl Daffrich, who, who goes on with you guys uh, every now and then, but he and I went live after T.J. Lindsey made that announcement, and it was kind of funny because this is a big deal, but it's kind of flying under the radar. I mean, if this guy would have been added during the Harson regime, this would have been like, you know, the, the king of the class, the face of the class, and it's just another guy with what Hugh Freeze has done so early on in his tenure with the Tigers. So um, it is interesting, but you're right. This is a good player. I mean, this is a player that – um, probably would be rated higher if he wasn't in Arkansas. And now he's transferred from Arkansas. He goes to IMG Academy now. But you got to think with a year under his belt after this season at IMG, that's going to really help him going up against the best in practice every single day. And then, you know, they travel all over the country. They pretty much are a college team when it comes to, you know, how they travel and who they play and all of that. So um, he's going to be ready. He's going to be primed to play high-level college football. And he's in a position group where there's not a whole lot of dudes that are guaranteed to be on Auburn's roster next year just by the nature of guys being older and running out of eligibility. And so, you know, Marcus Harris, Messiah Nassili, Kike, I mean, these guys are going to run out of eligibility and or leave for the NFL draft after the season. His path to playing time is pretty clear. Um, he's got a chance to contribute as a young guy within his first two seasons at Auburn. So this is a big get. It's a position of need. And I don't know, there's, there's just a lot to like about adding T.J. Lindsey to this class over the weekend. So after uh, Auburn's scrimmage this past Saturday, you know, there, there's obviously so much to learn from it. How could you mm -hmm. summarize maybe what position group maybe exceeded expectations and what position group maybe has some work to do? Yeah, I mean, it's all reports, right? It was close to the media, so you had to, you know, just talk to folks that were there. And right. there's some conflicting stuff, but some of this we're kind of being able to piece together. But 
It seems like uh, it seems like Auburn's defensive line did okay from a pass rushing standpoint, which is one of my bigger concerns about this team. So props to them, specifically Elijah McAllister, who was at SEC Media Days representing Auburn. Maybe we got another reason as to why uh, with what he did on Saturday: multiple, you know, sacks, uh, tackles for a loss. He batted down a Peyton Thorn pass. It sounds like so that's that's encouraging. Um, and then it also sounds like the running backs had an outstanding day. Uh, pretty much the entire room did something, ranging from Jarquez Hunter to Brian Baffey to Damari Austin. And it sounds like even Sean Jackson kind of got some runs. And Jeremiah Cobb was involved in moving the chains a few times with the third-team offense. So there's a lot to like um, about the running back room. So those are probably the big ones. I guess the, the downside of this would be – I don't really want to do this, but it probably is quarterback just because nobody's really stepped up yet. That's a position group that, you know, somebody needs to step up and grab it. You think Peyton Thorne has been given the opportunity to do that, and it doesn't seem like he's necessarily done that yet. And we, we don't know that for sure, right, just because that's kind of what we're told. But it does seem like uh, Robbie's putting a little bit more heat on Peyton Thorne than we all thought he would. I, I personally believe, Zach, that – Alabama and Auburn are going to be kind of mirror images of each other from the quarterback position going into week two. I think following week two, I think going into week three, Alabama and Auburn will have named a starting quarterback for the duration until that quarterback doesn't produce again. And Hugh Freeze, he's not shied away from saying it may be in game number three before he has that true quarterback. Nick Saban said the same thing in regards to literally saying grab the bull by the horn. So Zach Blackerby joining us from Locked On Auburn this afternoon. Do you feel that that's to be true that it may be game number three before you have that definitive number one? No, I don't think so. I think they're going to be able to make that decision before the season starts. I think whoever starts against UMass is most likely going to start for the rest of the year unless they just really, really trip over themselves or or get hurt. Um, I mean, Hugh Freeze has said as much. I do think the situations are different. You know, I think whoever's Alabama's quarterback will be in a much better situation to succeed than whoever wins the job at Auburn. And so does that make it tougher to lose that job if, you know, whoever it is wins that job? I mean, it may be – I mean, it's easier, I think, to slip up if you're the quarterback at Auburn. Uh, just granted with, I mean, so many question marks around, you know, pretty much every position group with the exception of running back on the, on the offensive side of the ball. But I do think whoever starts against UMass truly won the job. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, and I don't know the quarterback situation for Alabama as much. You know, if Coach Saban said that they're going to wait till three games to really decide on a starter, I mean, I doubt he's lying. But um, that's just not typically how that's done. Um, I, I'd be a little surprised. Zach, one more question about one of my – Guys here from Mobile, Alabama, Robert Woodyard Jr. Does Robert, is he in the rotations yet defensively, or is he still working himself in special teams? Yeah, I mean, he's gotten some reps, it sounds like, for sure. But Coach Robert, Robert's defensive coordinator, talked to media last week. And he's like, yeah, we got a lot of dudes at linebacker, but nobody's really stepped up yet. And since then, we've seen a lot of Austin Keys, Ole Miss transfer, 
and Eugene Asante. He was here last year before transferring from North Carolina, so he's been here a season. It sounds like it's going to be those two guys. I know Woodyard got reps, and then they tried to give him that opportunity, but I don't think he really sees it. And a lot of these guys didn't really seize that opportunity. So there's a chance he's going to be a rotational piece. Um, but it sounds like he's behind Austin Keys, Larry Nixon the third, the transfer from North Texas, and Eugene Asante. Woodyard maybe after that. And look, you play four linebackers. Um, so, I mean, I think that would certainly put him in the rotation field before a linebacker on this team. Zach Blackerby, one more question before I get you out of here. The Atlanta Braves have that series with the Mets. They're up 11 games. Can they make that 13 here in a couple of days? Uh, I think so. I think so. The Mets aren't very good. The Mets are a joke. And Atlanta's starting to find its stride. It tripped over itself a little bit coming out of the All-Star game. And we'll see as we get more news about Ozzie Albies possibly missing some time. But I think this offense is, uh, is picked up where it's left off before the All-Star break. They just got to figure out pitching. And with Max Freed working his way back in to finally, you know, get back in that rotation, um, I think Atlanta is going to be okay. And I think the rest of the NL East, with the exception of the Phillies, like I just don't think there are a lot of good baseball teams there. So uh, I expect that lead to get bigger. Yeah, Corey, I expect it to get bigger over the next few weeks. Well, I'll tell you what. Your roster and your followers are only going to get bigger once you let everyone know how they can follow all your tremendous coverage of the Atlanta Braves and the Auburn Tigers as we're less than 20 days away from college football. Yes, can't wait. Can't wait. Locked on Auburn uh, is my main thing. It's available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. New episodes drop every single morning, and that's just not Monday through Friday anymore. It's pretty much every single day but Saturday now. Uh, as the season's pretty much here. And then uh, AuburnDaily.com is where you can find all of our Auburn written coverage, the best free Auburn coverage on the Internet, and the best free Braves coverage on the Internet is BravesToday.com. Yeah, would love, uh, would love for you guys to give us a shot. Zach, can't thank you enough. Look forward to catching up with you next Monday as well, my friend. Hey, sounds good, guys. Thank you all. Stay cool. Zach Blackerby. Host of Locked On Auburn, AuburnDaily.com is where you can go and find out more information for sure. We'll take a quick break here on the final drive. Corey LeBounty joined by Triple G, Nick Wiggins, who will be holding down the afternoon spot for us here for a long time to come here on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Triple G Nick Wiggins here at in the final drive mode that we're just trying to stay cool in the studio. Hope you're staying cool as well and listening to us either on the app or in the air conditioning of your car. And, of course, look, preseason football starts. And anybody who knows me knows that I love putting Mobile, Alabama on the map. And anything I can help to do to help promote any local athletes, I love to see it. 
And in the NFL, we know per capita, Mobile, Alabama produces more NFL guys than anywhere in the country. Mm. Well, you go and you watch the Tennessee Titans take on the Chicago Bears, and you see an undrafted free agent, Eric Guerra, four tackles, two punt returns for 26 yards for the Tennessee Titans. And in that same game, you see Vellis Jones, one reception, six yards, two punt returns for seven yards. Roger McCreary did not play in that game. Well, of course, if you need more football, the Jets and the Panthers, of course, Bryce Huff for the Jets, he shared another sack. C.J. Mosley did not play. Taylor Stallworth, here's one that's very interesting. Taylor Stallworth, five tackles for the Carolina Panthers. Of course, him prepping at Murphy High School. And then when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Dallas Cowboys, Jalen Tolbert, two receptions, 29 yards, and finally a touchdown. Nice. The Cowboys finally showing our guy Jalen Tolbert some love. And that's what we love to see, of course, in the Baltimore Ravens versus the Philly Eagles. Jalen Armour Davis did not play. Michael Pierce did not play. But then again, when you look at the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the L.A. Chargers, you had A.J. Finley, one special teams tackle. Ja'Korian Bennett, one tackle and one on special teams. Neil Farrell for the Raiders, two tackles. LaMichael Pirine, Saints and Chiefs, he had six rushes for 24 yards versus the Saints. So hashtag 251 mm. updated Mob and really Town. represented. That's right. That's Mob Town right there, man. Mobile. Well, I, I will say this. You love to see Mobile, Alabama do well. You never love to see these guys get blindsided mm. the way that we did in this whole Michael Orr and Tui family because yeah. Michael Orr, the star of Disney's $300 billion movie. Million, million. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> billion. million. We'd be talking. Mi <laughs> more than 2.5%. You're right. right. $300 million movie there. He wants and did not receive 2.5% of the gross from that film. Didn't receive anything, apparently. Zero. $225,000 to the Tui family right. the mom the dad the son the daughter they were all portrayed you know by sandra bullock and the rest of the actors i don't really know their names but it's just crazy man because the the big part of the story and obviously that is a big part of the story he didn't get anything um from that but you know the whole movie surrounds him getting adopted right by this family oh call me mom call call, call us mom and dad and you know then it comes out they never signed adoption papers. He he thought that he signed adoption papers. It was a conservatorship, people. The word of the day. That you, you know that thing that Britney Spears has been trying to like escape from her father? Yeah, Michael Orr, first off, he's of way more sound mind than Britney, let's be honest. He had been in one without even knowing. And so this whole time he's referring to them as mom, dad, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe I didn't get that good of a deal in the movie uh, profits or anything, but who's to say whose fault that is? You know, whatever story or BS they were feeding him. Now it comes out, hey, man, you were never even adopted by these people. It, 
it's crazy. It, it, it's just crazy. And, and like, I already knew the story about how Michael Orr didn't like how he was portrayed in that film. He thought that he can't. They made him come off not uh, as smart as he is. Um, maybe too reliant on that family. He was already, you know, a high potential athlete before he even met the Tui family. But I mean, look, you can if you were gonna portray me bad in a movie, at least let me make a check off it. Yeah, and that's what amazes me—the fact that no money about this man's life. You, you you're looking at start to finish. Now, when, when he made the movie, of course, he had already been drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. But what to me sticks out even worse to this whole story is a couple of things, Nick. How in the world are we in 2023 mm -hmm. and you're just now, you've been retired since 2016, you're just now finding this out or bringing it to light? I, I, I think that it's kind of, it's not the boy who cried wolf because what he's crying is true. I don't sure. think that the attorneys and lawyers are disputing the fact that Michael Orr has not received one single cent from this movie. The money that he's made has been basically off of his NFL contract. And he's one year away. You have to have stepped away from the game for five years to be eligible to be a Hall of Famer, to even be nominated we're talking about someone who retired in 2016, not 2021, not 2022. Yeah. And it, it's a black eye to me, not only on the Tui family, right? It, it's a black eye for really Michael Orr, too. Yeah. Because you've said it's one thing if you didn't know, but you it's hard for me to sit there and imagine that you didn't know until a couple of months ago right. that these – people that you were calling mom and dad truly weren't mom and dad to you. And all it still takes is a signature to make them officially mom and dad because there's no rule that says you can't be close to 32, 33 years old and not be adopted. Right. And, like, yes, there's there's gaps in time. I, I We're eagerly anticipating and waiting on the Tui family, someone from their family to say something because I – I don't know. You have to think they, they have love for Michael. So this has to all be hard to hear, but who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But, yes, there's such a gap in time that you have to reserve some judgment. Um, you know, you can't smack that gavel just yet. Because, you know, even um, the Tui family, they said that they didn't necessarily appreciate how Michael Orr was portrayed in the blind side. Michael Orr didn't appreciate it. And they, you know, they're like, hey, Michael Ward's always been a smart guy ever since we met him. He's always been driven and self-motivated. We didn't just come in and say, hey, we got money. We're going to take care of you. And now we're the reason. De they definitely played a part on why Michael Orr was able to find success. But, you know, the film really portrayed it as them being the molder of the clay when Michael Orr was, you know, a pretty well-molded athlete himself. And, look, user – uh, H-N-O-C-W in the app. It was a movie, not a documentary. Exactly. So, you know, you're taking leaps for the entertainment. Oh, how can we make this story really overwhelming and, you know, pull at your heartstrings? How can we get the audience crying? How can we get that gold trophy into Sandra Bullock's trophy cabinet? So, yes, they took liberties, but you would hope at least the guy would have made a little something off of it. But see, Michael Lord now is 37 years old, and they have continued to call them his adopted son. 
So that's what kind of throws me into this conservatorship quandrum, so to speak, because you're looking at he feels that the couple tricked him into signing a document, making them the conservators and giving them the ability to make as much money off of his name right. without being able to call them mom and dad. And when that's a business deal. Well, when you do that, you can't do profit off it yourself, right? It has to be all through the conservator. Um, and, you know, you just have to ask yourself, like, why did they make him sign that document and not the other document? If anything, why didn't they have him sign both documents? Did they just not trust maybe his financial decision-making at the time? But even being so, like, they led him to believe that those were adoption papers. And, you know, recently, either uh, uh, probably, I don't know if it was this year or in the past, but he just is now finding out that, oh, wait, you guys never actually adopted me. So it's just it's just crazy all all the way around. You want to talk about a blind side, Michael? Man, had one perfect name right here, and, and it it does quote here in the Daily Memphian website that it says Sean Tui says we're devastated. It's upsetting to think we would make money off of any of our children, but we're going to love Michael at 37 just like we loved him at 16 years of age. Now, do I think that that family is the reason that Michael Orr is, A, not dead or locked up today? Absolutely I do, because they kept him off the streets. They gave him a loving environment, right? But also the fact that if this man wanted money, which he was a multimillion-dollar offensive lineman in the NFL, it's not money he needed. I think that... You know, it's more hurt and deception from our word of the day. Yeah. Conservatorship. That's our word of the day here. Uh, And I think that's the biggest difference maker here. It's just, why did they all get the 2.5% of the revenue and the $225,000 payout and Michael didn't? Was that just like a... Maybe they just didn't even know that he wasn't getting that. Was that something with the lawyers? Is this all on the attorneys and stuff? And we're just having to pick someone, you know, to blame in the story, either the family or Michael. It, it, it's just odd. Well, you know, you, you can't be a dummy and play in the NFL. Right. I can tell you that. And I don't think Michael Orr is a dummy by far. I just think that there was some mismanagement and some deceitment that's going to continue to be uncovered. Hopefully they can work this out and no one else has to be blindsided. And we'll be right back here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Triple G Nick Wiggins. And, of course, earlier in the show, we were talking a little bit about the top 25 rankings coming out for AP, the Associated Press. Alabama comes in ranked number four. No surprises. Georgia's number one. Michigan's number two. Ohio State's number three. Bama at four. LSU 
at five. So you look and you have one, two, three out of your five top five teams coming out of the SEC. It just goes to speak of the strength of the Southeastern Conference. And Nick Saban, when he talked about the strength of his team, sometimes you need a firm pat on the backside to go ahead and bring out all of your strengths, no matter whether it's offensively, defensively, if you put on the crimson and white, Nick Saban's always going to give you that encouragement. You know, I kind of like what Pete Rose said the other night. Sparky Anderson, he said, had a great, was a great manager. And he asked him one time, what's the key to handling players? He says, well, you got to know when to kick them in the ass. You got to know when to pat them on the ass. And you got to know when not to say anything. So we're trying to figure that out. But I think I've been kicking them in the ass a little bit more than I've been patting them on the ass, so we'll just keep on keeping on. <laughs> keep on keeping on, and that is the standard that has brought multiple national championships to the Crimson Tide. And, you know, A.J. McCarron, when you're the leader at quarterback, A.J. McCarron takes one of those chewings and takes one of those polite pats on the backside literally literally from coach Saban and coach Saban he's going to demand perfection and while you're trying to figure out who's going to be the starting quarterback for the University of Alabama no matter who it is the receivers have one job two jobs maybe because coach Saban likes it when you block down the field sure. even more than catching the football but you got to catch the ball Nick and Nick Saban made sure he let the public know, the listeners, and he kind of threw a little hint to the writers to make sure sometimes all the positive self-gratification that Nick Saban calls it that the players get, that he goes ahead and pats the receivers on the rear end too pretty hard. Yeah, well, we made some good plays today too. So, you know, I think that um, we had some guys make some really good catches. I think the quarterbacks made some really good throws at times. But what is the level of consistency? I mean, if you're a receiver, why do they call you receiver? You're supposed to be able to catch the ball, right? I mean, that's what receiver means. So you should never drop a ball. And, um, you know, that's something that we got to stay focused on. Nick, Coach Saban said you should never, never drop a ball. Now, I don't think he had to worry about that when he had some guy named Devontae Smith, Ooh. Henry Ruggs, <clears throat> Jalen Waddell. When you're looking at possibly the best receiving core ever at one time at the University of Alabama, you didn't have to worry about a lot of drop balls when you have four future first-round NFL draft picks. But Nick Saban said the biggest word, consistency in the process. It, it has to be there for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm, and I'm, I'm curious – as to the state of Alabama football, you're an Alabama guy. Yep. A lot of our listener base is, in, is Alabama fans. Let's just really take a second and look in the mirror. Last year, we had Bryce Young, right? Yeah. The receiving <laughs> core, oh, maybe it's just the receiving core isn't doing what we need. Now we're hearing Nick Saban kind of complain that, hey, guys, just catch a pass for me, please. <laughs> we don't know who the quarterback is, right? We're coming off the run of it being quarterback university. Tua, Mac, Bryce, uh, Jalen. Now here we are. We don't know the quarterback. We're unsure about how the wide receivers are doing. He made comments about the blocking. 
They're, they're the lowest preseason rank they've ever been since 2009. I love that. Aha, I love that, though. This is motivation when you start looking at it because when that does happen, each of the previous three times, the Crimson Tide ended up winning the national championship. So, by all means, get us out of the top two. Mm. The top five preseason, it's not where you start. It's where you finish anyway. And look, starting in number four ain't bad. Nah, it ain't (laughs) too shabby when you start looking at at getting things done. But But look, when you're rolling into playing Texas week two, who you barely were able to beat last year, and you don't even know who's going to be taking the snaps, you're even saying that there might be two people taking the snaps in that game. Uh, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm worried that I don't have a guy yet that I can, you know, without a doubt, unabashedly root for and, you know, cheer on at the quarterback position uh, this season. I don't think it's going to be Eli Holstein, freshman out of Louisiana. I definitely don't think it's going to be him. Buckner has a chance as a red search redshirt sophomore to come in and, and, and make some noise. Of course, Jalen Miro to me is the is the front runner there. But from a wide receiver standpoint, Jermaine Burton comes back. Malik Benson, he comes in from a community college and you definitely need him to make a difference for you. Todd Simpson at quarterback, you, you do hear things about him that are pretty good. Isaiah Bond you, you, you've heard and seen greatness in him at times last year. You just need to see consistency from all positions if you're Nick Saban, and that's what, to me, equates in winning a national championship when you're able to be consistent. Now, we mentioned Harbaugh, the delayed suspension that is coming for him because we all thought that he was going to miss the first four games of the season. East Carolina, UNLV, Rutgers, and Bowling Green. But apparently the Committee on Infractions throws that out and it gets turned over to the NCAA disciplinarian system. Still not over with because he is alleged during COVID to to have done some improper things. But, again, I would rather go ahead and take my punishment now. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the four games you're missing. I think you're – assistant coaching staff can keep the boat afloat uh, against those type of rough waters, if you would even call it that. Because, um, like, I don't know what their schedule looks like next year, but what if you've got a big, you know, what if, are we, are we just prolonging the inevitable, Jim? You know, are you going to have to serve that suspension eventually? Maybe he just doesn't want to admit guilt. I don't know, but I, you couldn't come up with a better four games to be suspended absolutely not i I agree 1000 percent on that and of course we we touched on that we touched on the fact that peyton manning Mm -hmm. going back to be professor peyton at tennessee he's going to teach a communications class in knoxville as a professor at his alma mater at tennessee hopefully no monday night classes so we don't (laughs) lose that manning cast but you're saying hey yo just get Get all the kids on yeah. the Zoom class and have them all be a part of it. Let them be a part of the Manning cast that's on ESPN2. I think that'll be more fun and, and better ways to learn. When we come back, we'll wrap up 
this hot, scorching Monday edition of the final drive. Again, we talked a little bit about James Harden. Right. So we'll, we'll give you a little bit more on James Harden. We'll let you know who to expect on the final drive tomorrow Let's talk about as those well. Hall of Famers too, man. Absolutely. You had the NBA Hall of Fame speeches what is, given. One of the better classes in a while. Like Very solid. Like, wow. One Very the solid. Greats. Greats. I agree with you there, Nick. The final drive will wrap up right after this break here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNFP. Um, I'm so excited to uh, be a part of this class. Um, Powell, Tony, D. Wade. Uh, I didn't always like you guys. Uh, we, uh, we competed at the highest level, but there was always an uh, appreciation of, of your guys' greatness. So uh, thank you guys. And there's one guy in this class uh, where I have the utmost respect. NBA Hall of Fame, Nick. Man, I love Dirk. Dirk was one of my favorites growing up. I loved Dirk. Um, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I loved Dirk growing up, but uh, you you go from Dirk to D Wade, you Paul Gasol giving shouts out to Kobe Bryant. I, I, right. you, now, you, I, you you pay respects out Kobe. of the class. How would you rank them, including Popovich? Uh, how are you ranking their greatness? I, I'll be honest with you. Popovich is probably in the top three greatest coaches of all time. For sure. When no you question. start looking at Phil Jackson and Red Arbach, and then you, you look at Greg Popovich, too, I think he's definitely in that top three category. Uh, Dirk is one of those guys that, that unorthodox, and, and you just really yeah. couldn't stop him. So would you who do you put higher, Dirk or Wade? Because we know we're, we would both agree Tony and Power under them, right? Yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I would have to go D. Wade mm -hmm. just because of his versatility. Sure. And, and I know Dirk could do some things at the four and the five position. But D. Wade constantly had that ball in his hands. Yeah. And it, it's just like the quarterback in football. When, when, when you're that point guard, when you're that one, two, or three guard, and D. Wade, he got stronger to where there were times you see him guard the four. Yeah. The, the, and, and that's tough, but you had to be strong enough to be able to do that. Um, and, and Tony Parker is another one that I think that when you look at the championships that he won, you, you see why Popovich was successful. But you have to have those players that believe in your system, too. You, I know plenty. If it was about the Jimmys and Joes instead of the X's and O's, you would look at the Philadelphia 76ers or the Boston Celtics being world champions already. And it's not about that. It comes to a point in time to where you're going to have to have that person that puts it all together, and Popovich was able to do that. I We have a comment in the app, user Bipu. He's he's feeling the same way I do. I, I say Dirk over Wade. Mm. Dirk was solo, had more solo success than Wade, right? D. Yeah. Wade had Shaq. Yes, yeah. it was Shaq, you know, out of L.A., but it was still – Shaquille O'Neal was still good. We're not talking Boston Celtics sure. or even Phoenix Suns, Shaq. Then he had LeBron, and Heedle's LeBron was another breed. That guy was crazy. 
Dirk, you've got, you know, old Jason Kidd, you got Vince. Like, that offense hummed through Dirk. Yes, D Wade is great, no question. I think they're just about neck and neck. I think it depends on your own preference of play style and, you know, who you like to watch. But personally, I got to give the edge to Dirk on the greatness meter. Just a hair, a, the slimmest, tiniest, long, blonde Dirk hair uh, over D-Wade. But that's just me. And Becky Hammond, she comes in and, and has an opportunity to be one of the first female full-time assistant coaches in the NBA. And, and, and Popovich shows her a lot of love. And now she's winning world championships with in the WNBA with the Las Vegas Aces. But... A, a great Hall of Fame class, a great celebration. Gary Blair, former head coach at Texas A&M, also another great one. Want to thank all our great guests today. Tony Sakalis, tighter, illustrated, joining us. Aaron Freeman, locked on Falcons. John Hendricks, Saints News. Zach Blackaby, locked on Auburn. Tomorrow, Tim Brando, the former voice of the Southeastern Conference on CBS currently with Fox Sports, and Chris Gordy will join us. The debut of Talking Football. That's right. Tracy Turner, Scott Hunter will be in the building. And Nick, day number one, successful, my brother. Yeah, man, I think it was a great show. It really hummed by. I had a great time. I'm looking forward to, to tomorrow and every show thereafter. Thursday, heroes don't want to miss it. Have a chance right. to win that 65-inch TV along with that recliner. The final drive checking in. Thank you guys for checking in with us here on the final drive on WNSP.